What's going on, guys? Thank you for joining us today on the Esports Supply Podcast, the Collegiate Series. I'm your host, Deron, a.k.a. Deronimo. The purpose of this podcast is to give you guys the inside scoop from the colleges and universities that have already started their esports program. Now, let's get started. Hey, Riley, appreciate it for taking the time to join us on the Esports Podcast. Please, real quick, introduce yourself and tell us on how you got started in esports. Yeah, so I'm Raleigh Davis. Um, I'm a GA of esports and marketing at SEMO. Um, I work for Rec Services, so that's kind of where our esports program fell into. Um, I actually wasn't applying to work for esports. Uh, I was just applying to be the marketing GA, um, and they're like, "Hey, we've got this new esports program. Like, what do you know about it?" I'm like, "Absolutely nothing, but like, it sounds cool, so I'll jump in on it." Um, and now here I am, you know, leading a program. Um, we're entering our second year, um, this coming fall. Um, and so, yeah, I'm learning a ton. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you, are you, so you're, are you still going to school at SEMO? Yep. So I'm in my second year of my master's program. So I'll graduate in the spring. I was going to graduate early, but you know, with the way things are going with the pandemic and stuff, I was like, I'm just going to stretch it out. Like take my time. I'm not in any hurry to try and jump out and get a job kind of thing. So. Gotcha. Like I was talking to you last time, dude. I'm pretty sure this is going to take you to, uh, it's going to open up some doors for you to have a job. Perfect. Perfect. Let's do it. I'm here for it for sure. (laughs) All right. So real quick, man, talking about your program, you mentioned that it falls under student life or student Uh, rec rec services. Yeah. Um, And so basically um, the club is considered like in two different aspects. So you have our competitive students. Um, They get funded as a club sport. Um, so we have like our IM departments, you know, that's just recreational school to school. Um, we have club sports at SEMO. So, um, they play at a little bit more competitive level. Um, they travel to different tournaments, play against other colleges. So our competitive students get funded in that aspect. Um, and so that's how we get funding for tournaments, for, um, new gear, you know, streaming stuff, stuff like that. Um, and then we have the casual side of the club, um, which is funded as a student organization. And so we get funding from student government. Um, and other pools of money like that. And so when you put them together, we're like a club sport, but we're also a student organization. Um, so it's a really weird kind of thing that you wouldn't normally find. Um, but we found it works really well for us just because um, it gets us a lot of recognition from the top down as we are the biggest student organization on campus after our first year. Um, but also we are able to compete um, and get that type of funding as a club sport. And so we're not having to Um, share a limited pool of funds or, you know, constantly ask for money because we're getting um, pools of money from different people for different things kind of thing. So um, it's a really strange setup, but it it really works for us. No, man, yours is really unique. So talking about how many people, you know, you're already outscaling like a lot of your other organizations at your school. How many students do you have in the overall esports program? Yeah. So uh, our, our official number is about 350 students. Um, so we started, there was two existing clubs right when the program was ready to launch. Um, we had a league of legends club and then just like a gaming club. Um, each of those had about 20 to 30 students. So there was like a good pool of 40 students who like already were excited about this, like knew about it kind of stuff. Um, and so we kicked that off and, uh, within two months, over a hundred students within this, within the second month, we were 150, 200. I mean, it was every month we were gaining almost, almost 50 to hundred students kind of thing. And so. Um, we didn't actually launch until September. We actually had to take two months, um, for all of our supplies and all of our, um, our gear to get in the arena and to be kind of ready for that. Um, and so we didn't launch until September. So we really only operated, um, September, September to December. Obviously we had winter break off. Um, so we were gone basically a whole month. Um, and then we came back January to March and then March the, um, pandemic hit. So, um, school was closed. So we've only been operating really five to six months. Um, but when we closed in March, we were, had about 200 competitive students and then about 100, 150 who were um, casual members or kids who will look to play on a competitive team next year. Damn, that is some crazy numbers. I love that. <laughs> Insane, yeah. It is. Hey, real quick, what conferences are you guys competing in? So um, we compete in League of Legends, Overwatch, Rocket League, Fortnite, Apex Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and Super Smash Bros. Um, Ultimate. Um, and so League of Legends plays in GG Leagues in CSL or C-Star. Um, we have uh, two teams that compete, and then we have a third academy team that just practices. Um, Overwatch, um, we have our A-team plays in TESPA. 
Um, they have a B team, but they don't, they don't compete. Um, and then Rocket League competes in TESPA. There's two, two teams for Rocket League that compete in TESPA. Um, our Fortnite plays in Play Versus. That's, that was our newest addition. Um, we, we really like that one. And that one was harder for us just because it was like a battle royale, obviously. So that was, we were kind of, it took us a lot longer to find a good league that was consistent each week rather than just like drop in tournaments. Um, Apex Legends. So this team's a little bit different um, that we have four Apex teams just because they're trios. It's, we have a lot of students. Um, so our top team actually um, played in and qualified for the ALGS tournament, which is like the Apex big pro scene tournament. Um, we qualified for that. And so they were, they played um, in those, those scrims and those qualifying tournaments all through the second semester. Um, and then we actually qualified to go to Texas um, right when COVID hit in March kind of thing. So we were, we were getting ready to go to that tournament um, when that, when that everything got canceled. So um, our top team played, just basically played in pro tournaments the whole time. Um, and then our other teams, they would just, um, they'd honestly just jump in the pro scrims with them, which was maybe not the greatest idea. You know, they weren't, none of them had um, semi-pro or pro experience at all. So that was, that was a, a shell shock for them. But um, our Rainbow Six team played in the CR6 or Collegiate R6 division. Um, our Call of, Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, they played in CDL, which is just the Call of Duty League. And then they played in Kinetic League, which was a um, collegiate league, I'm pretty sure, for Call of Duty. Um, our Call of Duty game leader had semi-pro experience, so he knew where to, what leagues to get us in and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate was the hardest. Um, as you may probably know, Smash Bros. has a pretty poor online scene. You know, there's no, you really just can't play Smash online. Um, and so we, we stuck to local tournaments. Um, we were about to host our own, um, like local tournament for Cape, um, again, right. It was going to be in April. So that, that got shut down, but, um, there's a couple gaming stores in Cape that host tournaments biweekly and they, they alternate off of each other. So, uh, we would just pay the entry fees for our students to go play in those. Um, our top 10 players went almost every week to go play in those. So we're in a lot of leagues. Um, next year we're planning already on adding in, um, we're going to add a Warzone team because there's a pretty big scene of Warzone tournaments. Uh, we're definitely adding in Valorant. Uh, and now, now with the new release of Hyperscape, um, that might be a thing we add in just depending on how many students I get interest from. Um, and I have this weird small sect of students really pushing for Halo. Um, almost every day, one of them just sends me a message, will you add Halo? Will you add Halo? And it's like, <laughs> and you know, I guess, like, I don't know. So that's, that's all the leagues we play in. Um, some of the games we're going to add, stuff like that. Um, as our teams grow, because we're probably going to grow to more teams per game, uh, we might start looking into multiple teams in each league or um, putting them in different leagues based on their skill set, just because some of those leagues are like pretty high tier gameplay that right. some of our teams may just not be able to keep up with. Right. Makes sense. How, so how did how you guys pick those titles? How did so you really, literally what it came down to was I had played Apex and that was it. I played Apex and I played Fortnite and I, you know, I knew Smash Bros. That was it. Like I didn't know Overwatch. I didn't know League. I didn't know Rocket League. Like none of these games, no idea. Um, and so basically as, you know, our numbers were growing so fast, so fast, I just basically made the kids fill out a form and it said, what game do you play? You know, what rank are you? How good are you? Yada, yada, yada. So I just started collecting all this information and you ask any of my students and they're like, bro, we filled out hundreds of forms for Raleigh. Like they were so annoyed. Like I've already sent one out like last week and they were just like all moaning about it. But I was like, I don't know anything. So I need like as much information as possible. Um, and so I basically just found students who were, you know, really high leveled or really had an interest in leading a team. And I just basically said, look, I will support, I will fund any game we get enough students to play in, you know, um, because that first year, um, the, the rec was really supportive of just like whatever you get into, like we'll support it. We'll pay the league fees, stuff like that. Um, and we had some money to play around with and we realized like, League fees aren't that expensive. We only paid like a hundred bucks, I think, to play in, in GG League. So like it's not, not expensive at all, which is awesome. Um, and so basically I said, if you can find enough kids to play on a team, we will, we will fund that team. You just need to tell us what league it is, how often you're playing, you know, yada, yada, yada. Just getting information so we can pass it up the chain to say like, hey, look what we're doing, look what we're doing, stuff like that. And so, like I mentioned, since we already had the league club before our club started, that was pretty easy. We had a strong league team. We Overwatch gathered pretty quick. Rocket League gathered pretty quick. The Fortnite and Apex didn't start until second semester just because that's when their league started. Same thing with Call of Duty Modern Warfare because it literally didn't release until halfway through the first semester. 
Um, CR six was pretty quick into our first semester, but yeah, like I said, it was just like, Hey, we have enough kids that want to play. Sure. Find me a league that you guys want to play in and we'll, we'll pay the fees kind of thing. Um, how, did, how did you go about, so how did you get in the position where you can, like, how'd you get so much trust from your, from your administration? <laughs> so, I mean, the thing was cool was when the club way back first started, a group long, of students, long ago? I think three years was when they first initially pitched the idea okay. of esports, esports arena. Um, three years ago, a group of students got together and were like, Hey, like, we think this is a big thing. It's like growing in colleges. Like we think you should jump on this. Um, and so it, it, you know, it swelled around the upper administration for a while, um, eventually gained some traction and they started leaning into it. Um, and so the year before I started my position is when they put in the funding, got the funding, started the remodel, cleared out the computer lab in our dorm, um, for the arena. And so, um, basically what was the tough thing about it was most of those students who were on that, you know, initial push for esports had graduated or had kind of fallen off the esports ride once I got here. And so I was one of the only people and one of the first people that, you know, kind of said, Hey, I'll figure it out. I'll jump on it, whatever. Um, and so because basically I, I could do what I want because nobody knew better. And I, they knew that I would find who I needed to talk to in order to make sure that I was doing the right thing, you know? And so, like I said, like, I sought out kids who had semi-pro experience. I sought out kids who had played on, 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 you know, collegiate teams before. I, I literally found kids who were so excited and so fed up with esports that they, they, they would do whatever I needed them to do. Like I had a kid literally do hours and hours and hours of just research of like what league we should play in. Like, what do I need to know? Yada, yada, yada. And so, um, really just relying on students. I was like, dude, like if you help me, this will only get better for us kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, I just knew who to ask the right questions to. Um, and so basically they, they trusted me in that, like, I would find what we needed to do, where we needed to play, stuff like that. And so each, each of the game leaders who was managing, you know, each individual game, they brought their league to me. They had all their information, you know, how much it costs, what days we play on, stuff like that. We sat down with my boss. They all, they all went around and pitched them to him. He said, good to go. We'll get you the funding. Um, and so that, I mean, it was really pretty easy. And so, yeah, I mean, they just, nobody knew any better. Nobody, this was such a new thing that they figured doing anything would be better than doing nothing kind of thing. So. Interesting. Okay. And so going off that, and how, how many students do you guys have like from those original clubs? Probably a good 15 or 20 that I know and that I met and worked with that were still from those original clubs that stayed with us. And there's about two students that I can remember that were in that initial push that are still active in the club today, which is really cool. Um, and from what their brainchild was, the club looks so much different from, which is, you know, a good thing because um, I don't think they quite expected how much support we would get from the top down kind of thing. And so they were thinking, Hey, you guys let us rent out this closet and put a TV in there. Like, no, like we, they went way above and beyond um, what their original ideas was. Okay, so starting off, how many PCs did you guys have? So right when we first built and when the arena was like available to open, um, we had 12 PCs, um, two Nintendo Switches, two Xbox Ones, and a PS4 Pro. And so, like I said, because we have this blend of competitive and casual, um, the big thing and the big push for it was we want this available to all students. Um, and so we want students to be able to pop in, jump on a console, play some games, jump on a PC, play some games, you know, between classes, stuff like that. Um, and so in the same hand, that concept was originally first. Um, and then we moved into once we get students who are consistently using the arena, that's when we can start leaning into competitive. Um, and so it's this fine balance of, you know, the competitive teams in the club can't just take over the arena. Like it's open to students. Like we have to manage it and balance it and stuff like that. Um, so we, the 12 PCs worked out really well for us. Um, once we developed our, um, our competitive teams, we, I immediately opened up a Twitch account, a YouTube account and a mixer account for us just because I was like, we're going to be playing so many games. Like we're going to, we need to stream this. Like that's a, such an easy recruitment tool. Um, and this was right when mixer started rip mixer now, but, right. <laughs> um, we, I know I had an account in all of those. Um, and I was like, well, we can't really stream a lot when I have to take up, you know, one to two PCs to stream. And I have Overwatch who needs all six on one side just to play. Um, and so 
we started kind of putting pressure on like, Hey, like our streamings are doing really well for what we've already done. Um, you know, we hit affiliate status in about two weeks. I think like it didn't take us long at all. Um, just because we had, you know, 10 different games streaming five nights a week, you know? Um, and so we hit affiliate status really quick. They, they kind of realized like, Oh, you're, you know, reaching high school students, reaching local, local kids who are like watching you guys stream now, getting interested in SEMO esports. Um, and so we got funding to pick up two more PCs, one of them, both of them being double monitor because I told them like, like I can't, I can't be running a stream on one monitor. Like it's just, I need more kind of thing. We got an Elgato capture card to plug into one of the PCs because um, like over, streaming Overwatch, like that was dropping a frame. So we, well, they gave us, they got us the gear. Um, and so now our arena is at 14 PCs, um, the same amount of consoles. Um, and then they put in two really big tables right in the middle of the room, um, which are awesome for, you know, team meetings. And we have a, like a bit, like if our monitors and PCs are all in the middle, we have a big TV up on the wall so we can like VOD review. And then like when I host meetings, I can put my information up on the TV um, so the arena is a great layout for us. Honestly, um, it's really cool, really a good start because um, I think 12 was a good amount to commit to, not knowing how well the club would take off, you know. Um, you know, worst case, you have 12 PCs and a couple are always open. But <laughs> now it's uh, Monday, through, Monday through Monday, basically seven days a week. I have at least one to two teams practicing, in this, obviously in the school year. Um, and then we have open hours where anybody can come in and play stuff like that. So we're, we're getting our full extent of the arena now. Nice. And so with, I mean, with all the players that you have, are, are you still looking to upgrade and expand your facility? So I don't know if my bosses are necessarily, but (laughs) to me and um, to a lot of my students, we're kind of, getting really close to that point where like you can't walk in the arena and just expect a PC to be open, you know, like there's either going to be one or two teams practicing. There's going to be some sort of event or tournament um, or just a big push of students, you know, from between lunch and dinner, usually like the arena is completely packed kind of thing. And so um, my bosses are realizing, you know, slowly but surely. And I think, um, obviously they don't want to jump into too much cause who knows what kind of numbers we'll keep once we come back to school. But, right. um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to ask for more food as soon as somebody's giving you some, like they gave us a ton of funding. Um, we're only in our first year, you know, not necessarily needing to expand. So, um, it's probably going to be on me a lot of just to really fine tune my scheduling to, to utilize the arena as efficiently as possible. But, um, I do think if our numbers grow even at half the rate we were growing at last year, um, I think it's going to be pretty close for us to start expanding um, minimally just for um, our streaming aspect, just because that is a pretty big part for us. Like we honestly, like if we leaned into streaming as well as we did last year, um, I think we could hit partnership pretty quickly kind of thing. Um, and so that would be something we need to lean on. Like we just got um, new streaming mics. I'm using um, the same model of mic that we would use for the arena. Um, we got some big wash lights. We got some green screen action going on. Um, we're going to pick up some web cameras. So we're going to really do up um, our streaming side coming into the fall. Like we're going to be ready for it. Um, and so that might be something is considering an, a second room or some more PCs that are just for streaming, stuff like that. Um, right. But, you know, like I'll be content with what we have. I'm not going to complain. Like I could get it done with what we have for sure. But I mean, if you're throwing, if you're throwing some money around, I'm not going to turn you down. Like I'd, I'd be, I'd, you know, I'm telling my boss, I'd love to have more PCs. I'd love to have more consoles, stuff like that. So <laughs> I'm not going to complain. We, we have a ton, which is awesome. Um, you know, yeah. 14 PCs definitely can get the job done with any of that. But um, I don't know. I don't know what number of students they need to hear for them to be like, sure, we'll, we'll get you some more gear kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right. So talking about the internet, my man, um, I know last time we spoke, I kind of want you to hit, hit up on that again. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. we, our arena is located, um, in our main dorm. It's actually four dorms put together. Um, and so we have like gigabyte internet, like it's super fast. Um, it used to be a computer lab. So we already had all those kinds of connections. Um, and so like 90, 95% of the time our internet's solid. Um, it works super well. Um, and then sometimes like the whole building would get blackouts. Like it's not like, Oh, just the arena. It's not like just towers, like literally like the entire campus, like we'll just like have an issue for, five minutes kind of thing. 
Um, and so it's not, it's not unbearable and it's like not usually often enough of a big deal for us to like freak out about. But <laughs> of course, like the one time that we really need just like our, the, the killer internet that we always have um, was when my Apex team was playing in their uh, global tournament. They were qualifying for it. Um, and we had a blackout in our first match um, and then lagged out of the second one because it like blipped. And so it was just enough time to disconnect us. And so by that point, like they only could play three matches. And so um, it was, it was a really unfortunate time just for the one time, you know, the internet hits us, hits us crooked kind of thing. And um, man, it was, it was tough, you know, cause my players worked so hard to get to that point. And so um, luckily they had moved a different tournament and we were able to qualify in the next one. But um, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. Like our internet's super fast and it's solid 95% of the time. And so um, it's definitely nothing to complain about, but um, you know, like in the, the metaphor you mentioned, like, you know, that's like grouse on your football field or like having good equipment, like that, that is a major aspect of, um, esports and stuff like that. So, um, my boss has been putting in conversations with it and with the university about like, if, and when we start making upgrades, that's going to be one of the first things we do look towards is, um, you know, that dedicated line, um, that really solid connection that maybe is not um, linked to the rest of the campus, stuff like that. And so right. it's tough, but you know, it's definitely not, hasn't sank our boat, you know, nothing's really came out of it. Um, super negative besides that. Okay. I like that. All right. So you were there for like the build out of the, of your arena, right? So the room was remodeled, um, and the g very generic like tables and stuff like that, like the base units were put in. Um, I helped set up the, um, consoles, the PCs, the TVs, I built almost all of the chairs, um, stuff like that. Um, so I was a like right in the middle of getting the arena ready kind of thing. Okay. They had already kind of laid it out, gotten the gear they wanted to get stuff like that. Okay. So what were the, some, what were some of the obstacles that you, you had to overcome, uh, during the build out of that process? Like right when you yeah, came in the middle so of um, the big thing was our, our gaming chairs. We have really sweet respawn custom gaming chairs. Um, but they came later than the rest of our gear. And so that was tough was like, um, just the initial push of showing students like, Hey, check out our arena. And you know, we didn't have our chairs in, but, um, it was worth the wait. They are so sick. Like it kind of looks like mine, but there's like a red Hawk in the chair and they're like color coordinated to our, to our arena and stuff. So, um, they're, they look killer. They're so comfy. Um, a big thing was just kind of rearranging the space to, to meet the needs of what event we were hosting. Um, in the first month I hosted like a, like a drop in smash tournament. Um, and <laughs> I didn't realize how many people would just barge in the room. Like we had like 80 people in the room kind of thing, um, uh, which is just a lot. Like we have a big arena, like don't get me wrong, but just like how I had the room set up was just such a, just every, everything was where it was supposed to be, but that wasn't what I needed. You know, I should have, you know, pushed the tables off to the side. Um, and so when we got the new furniture, my boss made sure it was all like movable and very modular to where like all of the chairs would stack up and be able to push off in the corner. Um, our big tables right in the middle of the room have wheels on them. So you can completely move them out of the way. Um, all of the chairs and stuff that like have like the dropouts where you can't lose something in the chair, it just falls to the ground. Um, all the chairs can be slid around the arena, stuff like that. So, um, a big thing for us is being able to rearrange the arena really quickly for different events. Um, like when we, when the overwatch world cup was happening last year, we rearranged the arena completely, made it like a movie theater, put a big projector on the wall and we watched the world cup for like two days kind of thing. Um, and so that was like a really cool thing we kind of had to learn, um, with our arena, um, our PCs. Um, now, now we're kind of having to learn how we're going to, um, socially distance our PCs to where we can use them in the fall, just because, you know, with safety precautions and stuff like that. Um, and so we're working on splitting our desks out to where, um, because right now all 12 PC or all six, it's six, two, two rows of six and they face each other. Um, so we're working on ways to either turn those away from each other or, um, put up like plexiglass dividers to make sure that those are really safe for our students when they come back. Gotcha. Would you say that that's your current problem right now? That's definitely one of them is just, um, you know, what precautions I need to take, how, how many students I can bring into the arena at once. Um, 
you know, we have 24 hour key card access to our arena. Um, and so will I be able to just, you know, let students in and trust them that they will follow those procedures or, um, and we, are we going to have to kind of revert back to like a supervised type of, um, situation? We'd really, we really don't know. Um, that's something my boss and I are just currently like kind of pitching ideas through kind of waiting to hear about, um, what level of commitment we need to have on safety precautions and stuff like that. But, um, obviously first and foremost, we have to be safe with our students. Um, we're not going <laughs> to like risk it just so they can, you know, one more person can play video games. It's definitely not worth that kind of stuff, but that's definitely a problem for, um, not just my department, but a lot of, a lot of departments and a lot of people just, you know, in the city and everywhere else. So. Right. That's true. Okay. All right. If you were to start restart your program, right. From the very beginning, how would you do it differently? So I say this a lot. Um, we kind of put the cart before the horse in a couple aspects of the club. Um, you know, obviously we had our arena before we had our, you know, our students, which is great. Um, we, didn't really know the structure and the, the organizational framework of the club before we started. Um, so obviously, you know, I have me and I have my two bosses that kind of overlook this, but, um, besides me, I'm the only paid person. And so, um, trying to figure out who reports to who and what kind of organization do I just manage all 350 students the same? Um, you know, do we get more paid positions of student workers? Do we do this as this? Um, a lot of that, we kind of had to build out as we went. Um, and so <laughs> I, I sent out a ton more forms. Um, we ended up creating some student leadership positions. Um, so I basically have a group of 12 students who um, each take a different aspect of the club. So, um, you know, you have the finance manager, social media, streaming, um, team manager, recruitment, um, like, like scholarships and sponsorships, stuff like that. Um, just all of my students spread out to kind of cover different aspects of the club to help me out. Um, and then, so you kind of have me, you have this board of students now. Um, and then you have game leaders who all manage, you know, all the teams within their game. And then each team has a team captain. So that's kind of the gist of the hierarchy, but it took us almost three months just to kind of develop that and to figure that out. Um, and we're, and we're still making changes to it as we move forward into the fall. Um, so that was a big thing was just like not having any sort of structure to start with, um, was definitely counterproductive to how quickly we could build the club, but in the same hand, you know, you can't, you can't build out your hierarchy without knowing how many students you're going to join or, you know, what kind of, how many students are going to be wanting to help out stuff like that. So that was a big thing. Um, the second was to me, like just for me personally, it was like, I didn't know anything about some of these games you know like like i i had to have kids explain league to me so many times like i tried playing it and like it took them forever to walk me through it um and You're so running just into the towers getting killed i'm just like why am i getting shot by this big tower like I, I don't understand this like this is so confusing um and so for me a lot of it was just like we need expert knowledge on what we're doing you know like i i knew about twitch and i knew about you know this isn't this and um, a lot of it, I just kind of figured out. And luckily we had some kids who, who, who are streamed, who were streamers and stuff like that. So we figured some of that out, but, um, basically it just took me a lot of finding a kid who knew something about something and working with them for hours and hours and hours until I knew enough to kind of manage it on my own kind of thing. Um, and so having that general initial knowledge would have been super helpful. And I think, um, if I would have started my club again, I would have sought those kinds of people out first. Um, just to kind of build that initial, like figuring out Thanks, what man. we need. Yeah. <laughs> figuring out what we need before, um, before we jump in, you know, two feet deep into it. But, um, yeah. you know, cookie doesn't crumble the way you want it sometimes. And so I <laughs> nope. said, I'll jump in two feet first and figure out how to swim on the way up. So that's what we did. And I mean, it turned out all right for me. So, um, not the end of the world for sure. Right. Right. No, that's awesome. Um, with that being said, like your students, was it, did it help you get your students like in, in those leadership positions? Did it help you engage them more in the program and kind of help 100%, 100%, them? hundred percent. Yep. How'd you, how'd you come up with that, man? So honestly, if I'm being completely honest, no, no, lie to us. Wasn't my idea, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> like I was, I was busting my butt. I was doing way more than my, my hours. I probably should have been working just, just doing what I could doing what I need to do. Um, and a lot of these kids were like, look, like, 
we know what we're doing. We know this, this, and this, like we want to help. We want, we want, you know, leadership. We want that, that potential. We want that power, stuff like that. Um, and so it took a lot of them just like, like enough. The kids were like, we want to help. We can help you with this to where I was like, all right, bet. Like we need to kind of organize this and then develop, um, an application process. And then like, we'll have the board and you know, the board works together. Um, and so that finally got there, but, um, really what it is and what I, what I contribute it to is like a lot of these students aren't involved in many other things, you know, like these are more of our introverted students. And so like, they're not, you know, on student government or they're not, you know, playing sports or this is this. And so like a lot of them, this is the biggest organization they're a part of. Um, and so that doesn't mean that they don't want leadership potential. They don't want volunteer hours, stuff like that. They just don't have anywhere else to, to give that. And so, um, once I kind of made that realization, like I realized like we have a ton of kids willing to help out. And so, um, I mean, in that first two months we were doing 12 hour days. So we were only open noon to midnight and because I couldn't just sit there for 12 hours, we had to have somebody watching the arena. I literally had students volunteer to cover five days a week for 12 hours. They would just sit in the arena and like make sure things are going well kind of thing. And so we had like a plethora of students just volunteering their time weekly, 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 covering these hours. You did 12 hour six, shifts? Yeah. Well, they would break them oh, up. Like but six, like, six? Okay. Yeah, they, they would do six, six or whatever number they could do. But they were working together to like make sure like, hey, I can come in. You know, I you know have to go eat dinner. Can somebody come in for me? And like they were just working together to make sure that hmm. happened. Um, so that was really awesome. But um, dude, it engaged the students so much better, um, especially because I can only do so much, you know? And so now that I have, 13 people doing 13 different things. That's so many more students getting involved. Cause so, you know, like my content manager, like my graphic designer, he has his own team of people who like help him with the content. You know, my, yeah. my team manager, he has his own team of people helping him make sure that the schedule is right. And that we have practices in certain days, you know, each person would go on and to engage more people to help them. And so everybody felt more included and felt more connected. Um, and so next, like when we, when we reapply and they have to reapply for the position every year, um, I think we're going to get even more people wanting to be on this leadership board and wanting to help out in some form or aspect kind of thing. Um, so no, definitely connect to the students. Um, a lot of them are really committed, um, really enjoying that leadership ability that they have, even if it's just like, Hey, I supervise the arena twice a week kind of thing. Like that's, that's right. like a lot of, uh, effort and a lot of, and that's really good for the students in my opinion. Did you have, so I know you came like in the middle of everything, right? The, the build out of your, your program. Mm -hmm. Did do you hear in the talks with anybody that was there before when it first started off? Did you hear anything about them having any issues with recruiting players or you know getting player interest? So <laughs> that really wasn't like a concern. Um, okay. By this point, they were just kind of like, "We'll build it," and you know they'll either come out <laughs> of the woodworks or over time they'll just like people will start dropping in, kind of thing. Um, okay. That really wasn't their priority. That was kind of like a we'll let Raleigh figure that out, which is fine. Like I, you know, <laughs> I'll get it done. Um, but what I always tell people is like, we have 350 students and I'd have zero scholarships. Like all those students are there just because they want to be there kind of thing. Um, and so we still have like, we're working on developing our own amount of funding to where we could host scholarships. Um, but that's not something we're prioritizing just because um, we're doing well enough without them. You know, like we would rather, use our funding and use those resources to better the club. And then, you know, as the club hosts their own tournaments and makes their own money, we'll start putting that towards scholarships and stuff. Um, but we have a huge presence, um, in the high, in the local high schools and local junior highs. So like, um, the local high schools have esports clubs, the junior highs have esports clubs, the middle school has an esports club. Um, if you don't know, middle schoolers can literally only play rocket league and super smash bros. Um, but we, we link, I basically went out and emailed all of the teachers, all the faculty who run these clubs. Uh, we, we bring a lot of them in for campus tours. They come hang out in our arena. We play some games with them, stuff like that. Um, and so we already are starting that feeding program of, oh, I went to Central High School. Now I'm going to come to CMOS. Like we've already recruited players just on that alone. Um, we've gone wow. to eSports Expos and just kind of put a booth up, um, talking to kids about our program, stuff like that. Um, and so we're, our recruitment was actually pretty – easy for us, although it was short lived just because of, you know, how many events got canceled because of it. But, right. um, you know, we weren't, 
even super worried about even the, the, the amount of events we did do were extra to us because um, we were so worried about we have such a big body we need to grow the club here before we look to grow it externally you know like we just need to grow right. it internally like kids on CMOS campus still don't know we have this program and don't know we have this arena you know like every day kids will walk by our big our big window and be like whoa like they just don't know we have this you know and so it's still <laughs> a really big push for us and for my team to like show people that we have this program. We have this arena. You're it's free for you guys kind of thing, stuff like that. Um, and so next year, the year after that is when we're going to really start pushing heavier into come to a, come to CMO, come play esports for us, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, really recruiting those high school students, recruiting, you know, better players, higher caliber players, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, we, <laughs> I always say like we fell into, we fell into some crazy good players. You know um, I've had a couple top 500 overwatch players. I've had some like diamond ranked league players, um, diamond ranked CS or um, rainbow six players. So like the play, the, the player pool I have just from happened to be kids going to SEMA was crazy. Um, you know, no recruitment, nothing, nothing broadcasted widely, no money given out kind of thing. Um, and so we were super lucky with that to kind of get that ball rolling with like high caliber players, competitive gaming, stuff like that. But, um, I mean, recruitment went well for us. I think we landed nine students who committed to SEMO because of esports. Um, now that's not to say that there's, there's not going to be a lot of, you know, incoming freshmen who quickly come and play for us. But, right. um, we knew for a fact that nine students said, Hey, look, I'm coming to SEMO because you have your esports program with, you know, X game on it. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, what would you say, what would you say a major strength of your program is? The what? A major strength of your program. Major strength. So I think a really big thing to students is that it's a free program. They, my students don't pay for anything. And so it's free to join. Um, we have 24 hour access. Um, you know, we're very open with what we take on. Like I said, like we're still under the impression of like, if you get enough kids that have interest in a game and there's some sort of competitive scene, like I would get you funding for that game kind of thing. And so like, we're a very flexible, very open program, which is awesome because, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't like pigeonhole ourselves by only starting with certain games and then like later expanding. Like we were just like, we will take on anything, you know, and if next year none of those kids come back and that game falls out, like that's fine. Like we'll work on something else kind of thing. Um, and so I think the flexibility of our program really allowed us to grow those numbers quickly um, to where like, even if half of my students don't come back to be active, active members next year, I still have like an almost 200 person club that is active kind of thing. Um, and so I think that was something, especially for our first year, that was really, really helpful in ensuring our growth for the club and that we actually had a solid base. Um, and like, because we are so open and so flexible, like, like we were able to build out that better framework. We were able to find, you know, processes and processes and organization that helped us better the club rather than like, um, you know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, I wish that we would have built it first, but like, honestly, it's kind of nice that we did because when you're building it while you need it, you know exactly what you need. Right. You right. know, how we, had we been guessing ahead of time, like I could have guessed completely wrong and like nobody wanted to help me. I just had to do it on my own. And then like that would have, that would have failed. So, um, because we were able to do it while we needed it, we built exactly what we needed. Um, and now we can look ahead to the future with it. So. Gotcha. Well, on the flip side of that question, then what, what would you say your weakness for your program is? Um, let me see what I have written down first before I just rattle <laughs> off too many weaknesses. <laughs> um, so I definitely would say, um, just the lack of, um, of available leadership or like supervision. Like I said, like I am the only paid staff. And so, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Like I love what I do. I super enjoy it. Um, and I'm definitely hoping that once I graduate, they will fill this position or, you know, full-time position or another, a full GA that just does this kind of thing. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping something more gets passed down once I leave kind of thing. But um, I definitely think there were times where things weren't able to get done or be done because, you know, I was already over hours. I was already, you know, doing this, this, and this kind of thing. Um, and so I think obviously like they couldn't have just started adding people as they realized how big this was growing. But I think hopefully, um, as we move down the road, we're able to grow it so much so that we demand and like the club has to have more help, 
um, because the more help you give it, the more it's going to grow kind of thing. And so, um, that's a weakness, but again, like I don't blame anybody or, you know, I'm not, not trying to trash talk Simo cause like they, there's no way they could have expected us to do as well as we did. And, um, you know, they gave us the right. crazy amount of help on the front end. Um, and so we, we did with what we could to make the club grow with what we had. Um, and so that's, that's, that's definitely a weakness, but also like, I think they're really keen on fixing that and making that better for the fall or like next year when I graduate. Cause they still have me for another year kind of thing. Um, right. and they've already made mentions of like, like getting more students on the payroll from that leadership board. Like my, my graphic designer is now on our payroll. Um, he comes, he comes over and does some stuff for the rec, but a lot of what he get, what he does for the arena, he gets paid for, um, because it's basically marketing material for us. And so he, right. he gets paid for that, which is awesome. Um, and so they're working on more students getting on that type of payroll, stuff like that for, um, for us. Okay. When you guys stream, uh, so you have two, you said you had two streaming computers, right? That are dedicated to streaming. So we have one that's like hundred percent dedicated, but then okay. we have another that's just extra. But most of the time, uh, what the setup is me running, you know, OBS <laughs> on one computer. And then like we have, we, we try and cast a lot of our games. And so the casters will sit and spectate on the computer to my left. And then I'll just okay. have that, you know, running into the stream on my computer. Um, and so that's our typical setup for why we use two computers. Cause like, uh, when you get the like COD and overwatch and some of those bigger games, they're, they're too, too big to run on just one PC for us to spectate and stream them and stuff. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And are you, are you totally streaming off of Twitch? So does Simo have its own Twitch channel? Yep. Simo has a Twitch page, um, Simo Esports. We're about 320 followers. Um, we hit affiliate, like I said. That took forever because we had to make a new like account, like bank account with Simo to get all of that Twitch money and whatever for taxes. Um, so that, that was a nightmare. But we got they, the nice ladies at the office helped me out with that. Um, we have a YouTube page as well. Um, because so many of our games overlap, <laughs> we started streaming on both of them at the same time. Because like I literally had to make a second account because I was like, I can't stream on the Twitch page, two different streams. So um, like one night rocket league was streaming on YouTube and league of legends was playing on Twitch kind of thing. And so um, <laughs> we, we actually do both of them simultaneously more often than you would think. But um, yeah, Twitch and YouTube are our big ones. Um, like technically we had a mixer account, but we never streamed on it. Um, yeah. We haven't really pushed into Facebook gaming or anything like that, but um, Twitch is definitely our biggest. We get the most, um, response and viewership on that. Uh, but that's also the one we, we work the hardest on. Like we always prioritize right. streaming on Twitch. Like if it's just a one stream night, we always go with Twitch. Gotcha. Okay. That's pretty cool. All right. And then for your arena using round numbers, we don't have to get into specifics, but for everything that you, you, you know, you used to build out PCs, uh, chairs, tables, streaming equipment, how much did it cost for all of that? So, I'm pretty sure it's public knowledge because it was all like school, you know, like university funded. Um, and it's like 150, something like that. I don't know specifics on who paid what. Um, I know it was split between um, like the university administration and then student government came in and assisted us um, because, because it's, you know, got that big student life aspect to it. Um, right. They chipped in some money to help us out. So um, it was a really like, like a big like collaboration project from a lot of different people, which is awesome. Like, like kind of seeing the potential in this. Um, but that, that's what it took to get the arena ready, like turnkey open, stuff like that. Um, and then since we, like I mentioned, we get funded like as a competitive sport, um, we get a little bit of money from that just to buy, you know, like we had, to, we had to buy the new fighters for super smash bros and like had to buy, um, ethernet connectors and just little, little things here and there, um, right. to make sure we can compete. And then we get like our, um, tournament fees paid for and stuff like that. So. 150 was like our big arena. Um, and again, I'm pretty sure that's already public knowledge. I'm not spilling the beans, anything like that, but, um, that's, that's what it took to get our arena up and running and stuff like that. Okay. And then, so on a yearly basis, what, what do you think your, uh, you know, again, round numbers, what, what do you, the, the money that you allocate for, you know, res oh man, I just lost my train of thought. Like the money that you spend on a yearly basis recurring expenses honestly not that many from what i can tell like we we get allocated um in the spring and in the fall um for our club okay. stuff and so um a couple grand just to cover our tournament fees cover some you know gear here okay. and there stuff like that um 
it honestly the club besides obviously like all oh, electricity and internet like we don't pay for any of that that's obviously just part of the university building but like right um for us to operate really besides just like paying for tournaments and stuff like that um it's it's not that much which is awesome like you know students buy their own we don't buy games for students on the pcs like they have to buy their own stuff like that um most games are free anyway so um, pretty easy. We, we, we will work on upkeeping like our peripherals and stuff. Um, and I know we talked about that is, um, eventually just because having 350 students rotate through those things almost 24 hours a day, like they're going to get worn down. So, um, that'll probably be a big purchase we do soon is, you know, putting in new peripherals, um, down the road, we might invest in more PCs or like the new PS5, Xbox S or whatever it's called, yeah, you know, upgrade, awesome. upgrade, just general, just general upgrades. But um, for the most part, we're able to run pretty, pretty efficiently, um, just because a lot of our stuff we can do on our own. Have you had any, have you had any, any, uh, PCs that you have to replace? Uh, we've ha- I think we've replaced like just one or two. Um, they, they just had like a weird thing that just kind of pooped them out. Um, we weren't really sure what happened was, but luckily we had the warranty. So like, it wasn't any big deal. IT came and got them, looked at them. They're like, dude, we don't know what's wrong with it. Like these are, <laughs> they're just fried. Um, and the ACES replaced them super quick, which is awesome. So, um, we've been playing on them, um, since like June, like a a small group of students I can open the arena for. Um, and we haven't had any issues other than that though, which is nice. Um, it usually comes in and just like completely resets them right before school starts. Um, just to get all those stupid games that weren't supposed to be on the computers in the first place off and stuff like that. So, (laughs) um, they help us update them and like clean sleep them pretty, pretty often, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we like the first month we had one go out, we were just like, Oh my God, like if this is a consistent thing, like we're going to be so screwed. But, um, really we had like one more just freakishly put out, but other than that, they're, they're pretty solid, which is great. Um, so no, no major headaches at least. That's good. All right. All right. Um, what would you say the hardest part of your job is? (laughs) In in my notes, all I wrote was hurting cats. (laughs) Um, but now I know what I meant by that. Um, basically the hardest part for me is just, um, you know, 350 people, like when certain things happen or like, I'm trying to decide if we should do stuff like getting active responses and like active in like participation in communication with 350 people is like almost impossible kind of thing. And like, and, and I, and I, I recognize like not everybody checks discord, not everybody's like glued to their phone, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so that's probably the hardest thing is like when I'm trying to decide like, Oh, like what day should we do a smash tournament? And I like put out like a message and like try and get people to react to it. Or like I put out a form to try and see, um, you know, like who wants to play on this new game or something like that. Like I get such a small response. Like that's hardest for me is like consistently hounding them on like, I need responses. I need responses. Yada, yada, yada. Like I have to know what the general body of students wants to do about this kind of thing. Um, so that's definitely the hardest part for me just because I'm such a, if I get a message, I'm going to respond to it. Like I don't put it off or like I check my phone consistently. And so it's hard for me to like realize like not everybody's like that. And like, a not everybody, you know, has an opinion on what I'm asking. So they just, they don't care enough to respond, which is fine. Like, like a lot of stuff I'm asking, like doesn't require everybody to respond, but, um, just stuff like that is always hard. And, I know I annoy some of my students just because I'll put out a form and I'll put out another form and I'll, I'll repost it just to, <laughs> I need people to respond to this kind of thing. Um, yeah. but that's definitely one of the hardest aspects of it. Um, learning new games and learning the, the industry wasn't hard for me. Honestly, it was really, really exciting, really interesting. Um, you know, learning new games, stuff like that was, um, definitely a cooler part of it. But the part that frustrated me the most was definitely that. <laughs> All right. And then the opposite to that question, the counter to that question, what's, what's the funnest part of your job? Um, honestly, I, like I said, I, I really enjoyed like learning new games and like keeping up with the, the new industry, you know, like <laughs> I had to have like all the, uh, like the Twitch emotes explained to me, like I didn't know what they meant. <laughs> and so like, like, I didn't know what Pog was or like, I didn't know what Pepe laughed. Like I didn't understand why they were funny or stuff like that. Um, and so I had to have those explained to me, but Um, honestly, my, the best part, like the most rewarding part of my job is when, you know, I'm able to put together a team, like host the tryouts and they, you know, they're competing in the league and like they win a bunch of games, like 
or like they start working together really well and like they, they, they find that success and they find that enjoyment like in playing those games like that's so sick to me like like I don't know anything about this industry if we're being real like this is my first year but like I was able to like manage these kids enough to where they could play together and like you know win win their league or like get a really good record stuff like that so like that's super rewarding to me like that makes all like the stupid stuff I put up with like definitely worth it all right I like that well appreciate it man hey real quick dude so this uh I kind of want to give you like whatever time you need to do your pitch for your school or like your program so the floor is yours. Do your little, you know, minute, 30 second pitch. Sure. My elevator pitch. You know, all right. You know. All right. Yeah. So um, if you are looking to come to a university, you know, you're a high school student, somebody younger like that, or trying to transfer, SEMO um, is definitely one of the most cost effective schools for credit hours. Um, just because we don't offer scholarships, we always tell students you're probably going to pay less coming to SEMO. Um, if you haven't noticed already, we have a ton of different games. So we're always looking to add new ones. Um, we are only getting better at competing, um, playing in bigger tournaments, supporting our players, whatever method we can. Um, we're a very open, flexible club. You know, we haven't been molded into something, um, crazy yet. So if you have some new ideas, want to come pitch them out, definitely, um, check out SEMO. We're located in Cape Girardeau. I've called this place home for 20 something years. It's a really cool town. Um, really good university. Um, check us out on Twitch, SEMO Esports, YouTube, SEMO Esports. You have a Discord. I don't know how you can find that, honestly, unless I just send you the link. Put the link. <laughs> we'll put the link down below. In here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, somewhere. It'll, it'll float around. I don't know. We'll find it. Um, but, yeah, definitely check us out. Um, in the fall, we're going to start hosting more tournaments and stuff like that. So um, if you're trying to look to play with some of our players, definitely hit us up. Um, if you have more questions, feel free to shoot me a, shoot me a Discord message, an email, whatever you want to do. Um, join my server. We All, all my all – my, my student leadership and myself will 100% answer questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So thank you for joining us on to today's podcast. If you found the information valuable, please, all I ask is for you to share it with everyone and anyone. If you want to have a conversation as to how you can also have an esports program at your institution, please hit me up, Deron at esportsapply.com. And until next time, stay motivated.